eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. You can read all of our stories over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. We are writers before we podcast, but we also do try to podcast once or twice a week. Uh, if you're the first listening for the first time, we also have a Michigan Recruiting Insider Podcast, Michigan Basketball Insider Podcast as well. Be sure to check those out. Subscribe. You can get all three uh, different types of podcasts in one place. Um, plenty plenty of ways to get your Michigan sports fan fix, if that is what you are. But anyway, this one, we kind of talk about what's pressing or what's new in this in this podcast. But in this particular one, we're going to talk about Michigan football because – they start practice on Monday. So it sounds like it's a, it's kind of countering what happened last season. Plus, you know, considering the early end to the season, um, you know, maybe give players a chance to go home for a longer stretch uh, since, since classes are mostly remote anyways, but they're starting first of 15 spring practices on Monday. So this episode, uh, we'll keep it decently simple. Just five storylines that we're watching. We're going to cover pretty much all the bases with them, but but spend a few minutes talking about each one. First one, very obvious, is the quarterback position. Couple couple angles within this, and I know I've gotten a few questions about it. Steve, I'm sure you have as well. Joe Milton hit the transfer portal yesterday, so a few days before spring practice began. There's also Cade McNamara. Uh, who had a had a nice game against Rutgers, and then had an injury against Penn State, red rising redshirt sophomore. But with the NCAA gave COVID people a lot of eligibility, so he technically could still have freshman eligibility uh, if if that's what he wanted to have. And then JJ McCarthy, true freshman, five star, Michigan's best quarterback recruit since 2008. Uh, Dan Villari is uh, there and on scholarship as well. I don't think. I don't think either of us expect him to contend for the starting job, but uh, Steve, let's first start with Milton. I, I don't think this was a stunning news. I, the only thing that surprised me is I thought if he was going to wait this long, he would do it before or after spring practice. Like if he want, if he didn't even want to try in the spring, then I would have thought he would have done it back in January. Uh, what, what do you make of Milton hitting the portal? Clearly, uh, it, it wasn't he wasn't guaranteed the starting job heading into this season, and and I don't think he made the progress during the season that Michigan had hoped. Uh, but still, very high ceiling player, a lot of talent, a lot of ability. Does seem like someone who will start somewhere else. Uh, so, what do you make of him hitting the portal in the timing that he did? UCF is in Orlando, right? Yeah. I kind of wondered with the Mel's Mel's did offer Milton out of high school too. Um, I wonder if that might've, cause I mean, I, that's, if I was a betting person, I would suspect that's where he's going to end up. I mean, he's from Orlando, Mm -hmm. new head coach. Like you said, they offered him at, you know, he had an Auburn offer in high school. He's had starting experience. You know, I think there's a lot of reasons why UCF is a great fit. And you kind of wonder with that hire. And again, we know that there's back channels that are worked as far as 
you know, they, these guys can't be directly contacted when they're on a college mm-hmm. roster, but you know, and I'm not suggesting this is like bad or that something bad happened. Like, I'm just saying like, I wouldn't be surprised if there were some back channels, some back channel discussion that led to the idea that maybe if Milton was, that would be supported by the timing of the decision. That's what I'm saying. And that's because you, like you said, I think the timing is at least a bit peculiar as well. Right. Especially, I mean, they're, they are, they're starting practice on Monday and he's leaving last minute. There's nothing stopping him from making this decision a while ago, you know, so what's changed? Well, his hometown school has a new head coach who liked him in <laughs> high school and uh, they could use a starting quarterback too, I believe. So, I think they're returning the nation's leader in passing yards per game. Oh, they are. Well, make me look stupid, but well, um, but you know what? He has three years eligibility it, remaining too, though. That's yeah. Other, so he's not that. Like he's, and then there also is a new coach, right? I mean, we're going to see quarterbacks hit the portal. We've already seen them hit. I think I calculated a quarterback hits the transfer portal once on over the course of the year, once an average of like 32 hours or something like that. We're only going to see that increase because like, think about, well, I'm trying to think of a hypothetical that doesn't, that isn't too close to the situation, but say, uh, say let's, let's do a coach who's now in the NFL, like a, like a Cliff Kingsbury. Had he taken a job at hypothetically, like Boise state. I got to think one of the quarterbacks he recruited at Texas tech is going to go with him. Right. And so I think you are going to see a little bit of that where these coaches come in and say, well, I want my quarterback or I want the guy that I really liked, or I think is really good. I will say, Steve, this isn't to necessarily counter um, the, since he hit the portal, Joe Milton has followed a lot of staff members at Auburn, Texas tech, LSU, uh, Kansas State, um, Louisville, Tennessee. So I, I I agree with you. That was where my mind went when asked about the timing. I kind of wonder if he's just going to explore it. And maybe we, we talked about this before we recorded. Is these Have these past couple weeks been when Michigan coaches have kind of given the the pre-spring in-person meetings where they where they say look you have a chance to start compete for the starting job but we can't guarantee you the starting job like those kind of discussions well or Uh, we don't think we think you're better off you have a better chance starting if you went somewhere else yeah do you have a sense michigan's coaches would would say it that way um because Michigan has had more transfers than like an average school, but it hasn't been crazy more. I, I, it, I think they're like six in the Big Ten right now. It, I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> you do have to clear space off your roster, right? Uh, it's not as if because like I, I don't know. Like again, I'm I am the last person that cares about the numbers. So there are people out there right. who think that Michigan's only going to sign nine people in the 2022 class because they only have like that many spots is like beyond stupid. So like, you know, that there are guys that I don't know if there's some situations, maybe they have to be a little bit more firm, you know, because they do, they have to clear out room for incoming recruits. You know, if you're too wishy-washy about it, might not get the message across necessarily. So, um, and I think, I, I don't think that's a bad approach. Like you are looking out for the best interest of, I was going to the say, there is too. a way I, to say it where it, it doesn't, it's not, you're not, you're not yeah, throwing you anybody on the bus. Yeah, no, yeah. no. It's just like, so there, you know, being direct is not a negative thing in a situation like that. You know, it's saying like, Hey, you, we think you're better. You'll have better opportunities, you know, elsewhere. We'll do whatever we can. You know, it's like, cause Harbaugh didn't even, he didn't stop Carpenter from transferring in conference or, you know, they've never stopped anybody from, or try even tried to stop anybody from going anywhere. You know, we see other schools are, trying to keep guys from transferring in conference, stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, um, you know, it's for the most 99% of the time, it's for the benefit. And we've seen guys that have left Michigan and had a decent amount of success, you know? And so, uh, but yeah, initial timing was UCF. I didn't know who he'd been following and stuff. I had some fascinating schools in there though, like LSU and, um, you know, Tennessee, pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm, those two. I'm very, I mean, following doesn't mean, anything right you know it's just follow but it 
I often look at it as like kind of the first line of clues. Right. And then, then you might start seeing on message boards that I think we have pretty good sites for all of those schools that we mentioned. Um, you know, you might start seeing, oh, they've reached out. Oh, they're interested. I, I am curious where he ends up because I think, I think he put a, a decent amount on tape and clearly the talent is there. But I, I think Michigan was looking for step two, you know, kind of, they, I think they were looking for Milton to build off of that first game. And I don't, he didn't have a ton of help because uh, he was often trailing. The offensive line had so much injury attrition, shuffling, that it didn't have a good season. Um, so it's not like it was, I, I, I'm not pinning two and four on Joe Milton by any stretch. And, and there, you know, I think he showed he had some, cast on his thumb recently as well so clearly he was playing through some pain in addition to the struggles but he I don't think he took the step forward so I'm very curious I mean I had a, I had a friend ask me the other day oh would Clemson reach out and I was like I would think I I no I mean Uyaga Lale is pretty darn good you know former top five recruit in the country but I am curious, like, you know, as far as, like, is it going to be a Power 5 school that's a ranked, like, a top 25 team? Would it be kind of that next tier, like, thinking about, like, a Kansas State or Texas Tech? I'm very fascinated to see where he ends up. He's he's at least, it's the ironic, he's like, he's at least going to get looks for the exact same reason that Michigan, I think, made him the starter last year. Because he has the tools that you can't teach. You know, and a lot of coaches could look at it and say, I think I could... I think I could get this guy to turn the corner, you know, cause if he, you know, he does, he still has three years of eligibility. That's a lot of time. You know, is this could be a situation where Milton ends up being a really productive college player still, you know, he maybe just has to find the right fit or the right coach or, or I don't know, you know, some would argue, I'm not saying I agree cause I don't. And I say this as somebody who liked him coming out of high school, or at least liked his potential. Um, you know, you could argue Michigan didn't give him a, a good enough shot. Could you? I mean, I guess he was hurt before McNamara came in, but um, I guess. Well, but he, and he also did have four and a half games. Did he not? Yeah. No, I probably should. Maybe that's not fair. Maybe that's not. But I will say to, to your point, he never got the game where he could really settle in. Right. And I think that is such an fascinating element of, of evaluating last season is like, you know, think about uh, Jake Rudock. He had pretty rough opener, three interceptions. They lost by, what, a touchdown to, at Utah. And then he kind of was able to steady himself against the teams, frankly, Michigan should have beaten by four touchdowns, no matter who was quarterback. And so that's where I feel, I kind of feel for Joe Milton because I don't think he ever got the opportunity to feel like this is, this is what, you know, I'm settled in. This is what I'm going to look like. Um, maybe he didn't need that. Maybe I, all of this is going to be up in the air until he shows what he is at another school. And if he ends up looking amazing, then I think the finger of blame shifts toward Michigan's coaches. And if he ends up not being a starter or being kind of okay, then maybe the, the finger blame is kind of right in the middle is that it's not necessarily, you know, did we don't know who, who was who how how wronged Joe Milton was because he did have several games and I think by the time he was put into or by the time Cade McNamara was put into the game, I think pretty much all of Michigan fans were kind of like that that's the right move. I don't I mean, it's hard not it's hard not to argue that is the right way of th- I mean, I think it's I think at this point it, it, they'd have lost to Rutgers if Milton had finished that game, right? I mean it's almost I, it felt that way, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, big time. So, and then suddenly you're looking at a one in five season. <laughs> and so it's um, uh, not that that's that different from two and four, but it, you know, they didn't, it, it, anyway. Uh, and, and the interceptions and the, and the decision-making, it just seemed like he, I don't want to say he was regressing because I think the strength of opponent was increasing, but he didn't, he didn't take that step forward that I think Michigan, we talked about it before the season, you know, I don't think, you and I ever made any promises that Joe Milton would be good. I think we always said 
They're swinging for the fences. They're putting all the chips on the table, whichever cool analogy you want to use. And, and it didn't work out. And I think we even said like worst case scenario is uh, he's not that good. You know, he doesn't produce the wins don't come. And, and next year they're probably looking at, a, at another starting quarterback battle. And that's what we can turn to next. Got a few that's things great, we want to discuss segment, here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Good. There's the back pat, <laughs> but no, they, for the, I want to say the sixth or seventh time under Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, it is a quarterback battle in which we don't fully know who's going to win. And it's going to probably go all the way in up into mid August. Cade McNamara, JJ McCarthy, Steve, what are your thoughts on this quarterback battle? What are, what are the key things you're looking for? Let's, let's keep it to the spring. What are the key things you're looking for between those two this spring? Um, I want to see who is ahead at the end. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I think we talked before, like, I don't expect McCarthy to walk in and be the number one guy from the outset, right? I think that'd be a mild to maybe moderate I think it'd be a moderate surprise if that was the case, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he comes out of the spring as the number one guy. I mean, you're talking about a, this is a five-star, a five-star prospect and we're Uh seeing more and more freshman quarterbacks who are ready at the college level. You know, and it's like, I think it's, it's, it feels like Michigan is due for like a stud freshman to come in and just be a factor immediately, uh, let alone at quarterback. You know, it was like kind of has felt like when Michigan's had like these elite freshman recruits and commitments, these guys that sign it, just like it feels like they just always move at a slower pace at Michigan than they do at other programs. You know, so I'm kind of interested to see does McCarthy come in right away and kind of, you know, take a stranglehold on this thing or not. Um, I suspect that's the feeling that I think that's what most people are probably wondering. So I'm not much, no, like, you know, super insidery, like secret deal or anything. I, I, I do think most people are probably going to wonder the same thing, but you know, I think that's, it is what it is. Um, have to love what McNamara showed last year. I think we saw signs of not just a guy who can play quarterback, but a guy who has some leadership ability too. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I'm interested you know, kind of see if that whole aspect can kind of play a part. But overall, I mean, and I again, like I think most people are in the same boat here. I'm just interested to see what J.J. McCarthy looks like and see if, if Michigan really has something here because it's kind of hard not to think that they don't. Yeah, well, and, and you mentioned they're due. I mean, they haven't had a quarterback recruit. Now, Shea Patterson technically was, but he was a transfer. They haven't had a quarterback recruit rated this high since Ryan Mallett. And before that, it was Chad Henney. And so it's mathematically they're due. Not to say like J.J. McCarthy's automatically going to be that, but even with him being a five-star, there's also the additional component of, I think, reading the analysis that some of our uh, recruiting experts have said throughout the process is that, one, he's an ultimate competitor, and two, one component that makes him a very um, – promising recruit for Michigan and Michigan fans is that uh, he's very like the tools are already there. He's not going to be a spend three years in the lab and emerge. He, you know, he strikes at least when he was playing at IMG, when he was playing at uh, Nazareth in Illinois, he's, he struck as someone who can make an instant impact. So that is, that's the fascinating part is does, does the true freshman Michigan, has not, I don't think they've even played a true freshman quarterback under Jim Harbaugh. Maybe I think Joe Milton might have snuck in a couple snaps because of that new redshirt rule, right? But but McNamara was hurt his true freshman year. Uh, McCaffrey, Peters, I don't even know. Well, uh, Malzone, I don't think any of them played as true freshmen. And now we're talking about someone possibly starting. So, yeah, it's very fascinating. I think what I would be looking for is – how the two quarterbacks are described because I I'm with you. I think, I think there's a element of whoever the better leader is might honestly have 
the edge. Like, I think, I think the players are, are going to have some say because who they respond to is probably who's going to have a better practice. You know, it's not like they're doing, they're not throwing into, uh, you know, tire rings or anything like this is like, it's who can run the offense the best. And we'll talk about the rest of the offense in a moment, but yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see who one, just learn more about what JJ McCarthy looks like on campus. And then two, you know, Cade McNamara, I, we don't know what would have happened against Penn state if he had remained healthy, but it seemed like in that Rutgers game, even though it was Rutgers, it seemed like he kind of had the team, you know, kind of lasso the team together a little bit, a team that was going in a lot of different directions. And I think he, you know, had a little bit of showed a little bit of leadership. So yeah, I'm very fascinated between the two. The other angle with the quarterbacks is how, how do things change with Jim Harbaugh as the quarterbacks coach again? And, and, you know, between Harbaugh and Josh Gaddis, who is now taking on, I assume, a lesser role with the receivers because Ron Bellamy's their coaching receivers. And so how does, how does that dynamic work? Uh, Steve, quicker question. They have three quarterbacks on scholarship. All three technically have freshman eligibility. You know, McNamara's played a little bit, but Valari has not played, and, and McCarthy hasn't played. Should they be of interest in bringing a, a veteran, even if it's not necessarily a starter, just a veteran player in at quarterback for as a transfer, just to have another player? Yeah. No, I do. Okay. I think it's something they should at least explore, right? Um, well, and we see the injury problems they had at quarterback last year. I was going to say, you don't want to be in a situation where your third-string quarterback is not someone that you trust to win yourself a football game. Yeah. So I suppose a part of it depends on how they feel about Dan Valari. Right. Right? But I also think – but that's not – that doesn't mean to not explore it to begin with, though. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, absolutely. And I think they will. I always look at the portal or anything like that as like – you know, if you think you can make the team better, then you're at least going to at least you're at least going to look at it and see, is it a fit, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So and that's one spot. I think quarterback is one of those spots where quietly, despite the hype, the McCarthy hype, uh, which, again, a lot of it is well earned on his end. Uh, you still have to solidify the position as much as possible, you know, and so just like any other position, if there's a guy out there that fits is the right fit for Michigan and and knows what he's getting into. Uh, I don't think there's any harm in it and, and talking to some guys and, and looking at some options. Yeah. Well, and, and I will say Ohio state when they brought in Justin Fields and they lost a couple backups to the transfer portal, they went and got a couple. I don't want to make it sound like I'm insulting them, but they got a couple backup caliber quarterbacks in the transfer portal as insurance. Now they didn't end up needing them. Uh, you know, because Fields didn't have it suffer a major injury, but yeah, I do think there's something to be said for, um, and and this, I say this primarily because there are so many quarterbacks in the transfer portal. I'm not exactly sure how many, but it's it's got to be over a hundred at this point. You know, can one of these players be convinced? Because most quarterbacks who enter the transfer portal want to play more, but can one of them be convinced? Hey, come be a part of this. Come come be a part of the competition and you'll be the first guy off the bench, you know, if there is an injury. And so uh, maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't, I don't know, but let's shift to the, to the rest of the offense, because this was storyline number two that I was keeping an eye on is I think this is a big time put up or shut up year for Michigan's offense. I mean, this is year three of Josh Gaddis's offensive coordinator, We've talked in the past about the uh, litany of speedy wide receivers. You know, think about uh, Giles Jackson. Obviously, Ronnie Bell Cornelius Johnson produced pretty well last season. Mike Sane was still. um, A.J. Henning, Roman Wilson, so on. Uh, The running backs, yes, they lost Zach Charbonnet. Yes, they, they lost Chris Evans. Feels like they've got a pretty good room though a room that the, that Michigan is comfortable with and Hassan Haskins Blake Corum 
Donovan Edwards. Maybe not in Tavier Dunlap. Maybe not so much for the freshmen, but for Corum and Haskins, this is a big step forward year. Uh, pressure on them. And then on the offensive line, we can call it like we see it. That was a risky move for Michigan to, to um, move on from an offensive line coach who spent 35 years coaching offensive lines at the collegiate level for someone who has not coached offensive lines at the collegiate level. So there's some risk there. And then, but the, it's a group that returns a lot of starters, a lot of players who got experience. So I think all every position group on the offense outside of quarterback has the returning talent. to like, you can crank up the pressure a little bit and say, you got to be good this year. Uh, because I think the, the youth excuse maybe could apply last season, not going to work this year. And, and you could say the same thing about the coaches. So Steve, I guess, what are your thoughts on, on the offensive core nucleus that's, that's coming back and, and they kept things relatively stable, same coordinator, um, quite a few of the same coaches. There are some new coaches, of course, but your thoughts on the offense and, and the pressure to kind of crank it up a notch during spring ball. Still going to be determined up front, right? I think this is, I think that put, it is put up or shut up for the unit as a whole. I, I think the success is still going to be mostly determined by uh, how they play up front. And there's no shortage of talent for them to do so. And there's a good mix of experience in there now as well. Right. I think, I've, you know, you missed the losing Zach Carpenter was not good for Michigan. Uh, I think he'd have been the, the heavy favorite or favorite to take that position, even with the uh, Vistardis uh, winning it last year. So, you know, I think it all starts up front because I feel like they're in a good spot. I, I suspect one other thing too. I expect that Eric all will rebound. Okay. This season at tight end. Uh, not going so much on info as I am intuition on this one so far. We'll find out as the spring goes along, how that, uh, you know, how that goes, but I suspect that he's going to have a rebound season. Um, you know, and I think that's important for Michigan as well, but yeah, that the, they're, they're, they're better at the skill positions than they've been in a long time, deeper too, you know, not just good, but I think they, have a lot of guys, I mean, you just named a bunch of them and you have Xavier worthy who, you know, we'll see uh, <laughs> 18 months off of football, like competitive football, uh, how much that's going to stunt his potential to be an immediate impact player. Because if he had played a full senior season and enrolled early, uh, no doubt in my mind would he be an immediate impact player. And I think he still can be, but that's just a long layoff. And that's just an, you know, these are obviously circumstances that kids have not had to face before. So it'll be really interesting to see where that's at. So, yeah, I mean, definitely put up or shut up. You know, it's just the only problem is it's like, don't know who the quarterback's going to be. And uh, like I said, there are a couple of races up front. I think that's still, you know, we like, we like Andrew Stuber. I think Trevor Keegan. Yeah. I liked his last really, game. really good. Yeah. <laughs> like really good. You know, the middle, we'll see if it's, if the Stardust is, is going to be back or a guy like Reese Atterbury can come in or, Hey, maybe like, you know, maybe a Raheem Anderson. I love Raheem Anderson. Like I think he's going to be a good football player. Can any, can any of the other interior guys move to center? Do you think? Possibly. I don't see Rumler being a center. Okay. That's kind um, of who I was wondering about. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Center I was another guy. Maybe, maybe. I wouldn't think so though. I think those two are, are guards. And I forgot about Zach. Zach's another one that I think has a bright future. I think he struggled at times last year, but. Uh, I think all the freshmen. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, so I I think all the tools are there though. You throw Willie Allen into the mix, Ryan Hayes, you know, so there's a lot of guys. Trent Jones is a guy that I think they still have. I still think there's some hope there for him. Um, But yeah, I mean, did you mention Barnhart? Oh, geez. Yeah. Probably should have remembered him. Who might be end up (laughs) our favorite. (laughs) Might end up being the best one out of all of them. That's no, but that that just goes illustrate. There are a lot of guys. Yeah, you know, there's no shortage of uh, competition and and bodies there to what they should be able to put a solid five out there. Now, then you get into Sharon Moore taking that spot. 
you know, it was the first time he's been it. And now he played offensive line. And this was a move that I think Michigan was more than comfortable in making. But to be fair, he's only coached tight ends at the, at the college level. So as a technically as a first time offensive line coach, I mean, I think he's got his work cut out for him as far as, like I said, Michigan has potential to put up a lot of points this year, but we need to see it up front and we need to see who wins the quarterback job. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, you've just broke down the offensive line. So I'll, I'll go with the other groups. I, I think that they have a lot of players who can have good games. You know, uh, Cornelius Johnson, had a couple really good games. Son Haskins has had a couple good games. Uh, you know, Roman Wilson kind of, he had some, some really good moments. Ronnie Bell obviously has been producing for a while. I, at the skill position, I, I think they need people who can do it every week though. And that was, that was something that was so critically important to Michigan's success in 2016 is I think people, I don't know if people forget, maybe they remember, but you know, you could count on Jake, Butt. I think he like set some school record for consecutive games with a catch. Uh, you know, J.U. Chess and Amara Darbo kind of did this, the same thing. Uh, and then at running back, you know, Devion Smith, um, Karan Higdon, I don't think Michigan fans are like putting any of them, either of them in like the top lists or whatever. Uh, they weren't drafted, but I, I do think they both, brought consistency every game and so I think it's it's maybe goes counter to the idea that they need to step up and become stars but I think almost being consistent could go a really 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 long way for those skill position groups and and you're a believer in Eric all I'm not saying he can't be good but that is a position that I'm kind of looking and seeing if like maybe by late March they're taking a peek at some tight ends in the transfer portal or they're um, shifting, you know, a, a, a player who could fit the size and trying them out at tight end. That's a sign that maybe they didn't get the step forward they were hoping for. Sure. So um, I would not write off the portal either way at tight end, if only because people got to remember how many sites Michigan, I think, has tried to take two at tight end, like the last like three or four cycles. And they have all ended up the same where they got one top target and they couldn't quite get the second guy that they really, really wanted. And they only ended up taking one. So that's not a spot I would be shocked if they at least explored. I'm not saying that's not an indictment on anybody in the room. It's just the fact that they've clearly been trying to take two for a while. And we might, we might see it again this cycle in, in 2022. They already have Marlon Klein committed. Um, Oscar Delp trending to Georgia is another top target. And Jason Llewellyn committed to Oklahoma today. I mean, it's like they have a, it's hard for, you know, tight ends, one of those spots where, like people think they could be the guy, so they're they don't like to sign on to a class that already has one committed. Uh, but you know, so yeah, I, I would not be shocked if if they at least explored portal options either way, even if Eric All looks pretty good. Well, and I think they're right to do that because for as much as we've discussed Eric All, he has 13 career catches for 92 yards. So it's not like this is. It's not like he's a sure thing. And I know people get on about the drops. I'm not even talking about the drops. I'm talking about getting open and, and catching, or I guess catching the passes is related to the drops, but you know, he hasn't been a high snap tight end yet. I think he can be, but yeah, if if I'm, if I'm Michigan's coaches, I'm, I'm keeping a close eye on the tight end position in spring ball to see, because if you have an elite tight end, then your offense can can go up another another level. It can goes up another rung. Think about what Jake Butt brought to Michigan. So, and honestly, Zach Gentry did too. It's not like he was, you know. Think about the two years that they have been good in terms of going to New Year's Six Bowl. Those were the two years that they had really good tight end play. So that's that's pretty much my thoughts on the offenses. I think consistency is important, and I think. You know, those, those rising sophomore, rising junior players making that, that quote-unquote leap. Michigan missed on that a little bit last fall. This season, if they want to be good, they're going to need some players to make the leap. On the defensive side of the ball, they do return a lot of talent. I think they return eight starters, and I think they return 17 former four or five-star recruits. 
So we'll talk about that, the, the identity change, kind of the, the areas we're looking to see that incorporated at least into, into spring ball and kind of certain factors that we're keeping an eye on. On the other side of this brief break, you're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. Thanks for waiting. So, yeah, as we said, a uh, lot of lot of newness on the defense side of all. New coordinator, new uh, – both secondary coaches are, are new uh, – you know, got, they did keep Jean-Marie and Sean Nua, but I, I have to think that was with the caveat of you're going to be a part of this newness. You're going to have a renewed approach. So, and then there's some scheme changes too. believe we're going to see them switch to a, to an odd man front. So plenty of key factors, Steve, what's the most important thing for Michigan to, to find or, or, or accomplish this spring in order to hit the ground running on the defensive side of the ball. Once the season starts. Uh, some playmakers. That helps, right? doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you know, uh, the thing I'm most interested about, and I don't know if this is a spring ball question, just in general, I think one of the biggest things we've talked about the deficiencies of, a, of Don Brown's scheme, at least as it has it played out, you know, the tail end of his Michigan tenure, Michigan needs to like find a way or find players that uh, can force turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. It's one area where they've consistently lacked or they did consistently lack under Don Brown, even when they were like leading the country in tackles for loss and, you know, right. among the leaders in sacks. It's like, it's a defense that did not force many turnovers like at all, at least relative to, the level of skill or level of talent they've had, you know, on that side of the ball. So interested to see how their new identity, because I got to think it's going to be an, I mean, I know it's always an emphasis, but at the same time, I mean, you know, it didn't really change much uh, under Don Brown, even, like I said, even when they were putting out top five, top 10 defenses, it was still a situation where, you know, they weren't flipping the field uh, off of turnovers very often. And I think that can, it can be such a value to your offense. Um, I don't even know what the margins would have been even when they had great defenses. I still, they feel like their turnover margin was like very mediocre, uh, which is bizarre uh, to me. So that, and then just how the, the, you know, I think listening to Mike McDonald uh, on John Jansen's podcast is I'm just interested to see how he fulfills what he said, as far as, you know, it's not going to be a day night change to scheme. We're going to, see how we can balance between fitting the personnel we have and also trying to instill some different stuff, you know, and I think the, the, the big focus, or I think where most of the attention is going to be is how are they going to treat the edge situation? Mm-hmm. Right. With guys like Jalen Harrell, um, Ojabo, Hutchinson, you know, there's a lot of guys in that are McGregor, you know, there's a lot of guys there that are kind of, you know, where are they going to, where's their best fit? Because again, we suspect they're going to mix things up, but we suspect a three, four is where this is headed. Eventually it just seems that way. And so I think, um, you know, I think that's one big thing that I'll be looking at besides, like I said, and I don't really know there's a way you can like prove it. Cause I know every coach speak, they're going to say they're working on focusing on turning, you know, <laughs> right, creating right. turnovers and stuff, but 
you know, it's that whole aspect is what I'm really fascinated by just because the numbers under John Brown were just not good in that area. Yeah, that's, that's a good one because even, even when they had good defenses, they didn't, they, they not only ranked poorly in turnovers, you could see it on the field with the eye test. Like it just seemed like they didn't, um, it was very much like a bend don't break defense, not a flip the field, get a pick six kind of defense, at least not against, against the top teams. Uh, I, I'm going to keep an eye on, I, I'm going to stick to a, a place that we've discussed a lot is the, the defensive line. You know, this is, that's the position group where they, they got a, a victory in terms of a player returning in Aiden Hutchinson. They, and, it, and they have returning legitimate four and five-star talent on the defensive line. You know, because I think cornerback seems like they've got a lot of experience. Safety, they've got a lot of experience. I guess they got a victory there with Brad Hawkins. feel like we kind of know what that group's going to be. Linebacker, there's too many question marks. I don't think the spring alone will answer it. But defensive line, I think it could, I think it could vary wildly what the defensive line looks like. And, and Aiden Hutchinson, I'm not sure exactly when he'll be cleared. to. Maybe he is already. I'm not sure when he starts being able to practice again. I think when he got hurt, I think it was said four months. Um, so maybe maybe it occurs during spring ball. Maybe it doesn't. But yeah, guys like Braden McGregor, I think we assume someone like David Ajabo switching to outside linebacker, but but you can incorporate him in this group. Julius Welshoff, you know, Christopher Hinton, Donovan Jeter. I mean, there's a lot of there's actually a lot of names in terms of the portal, I actually assess that the linebackers a more important transfer portal need than defensive line. But how does this group look and, and how do things change? Even though they have the same defensive line coach, do things change under Mike McDonald? So that's, that's maybe the group that I'm looking at the most is what kind of new names do we start hearing? You know, is it, is it Welsh off playing defensive end is looking like, crazy better is it um you know is it mozzie smith another top one former top 150 recruit uh who hasn't hasn't made much of an impact since he got to michigan so yeah i'm, I'm very curious about that because i i think you'd be really hard pressed to find a good michigan defense in history that didn't have a really amazing defensive line and that's i'm not like it's not groundbreaking stuff. It's like saying a good offense needs a good quarterback or a good offensive line. But same time, that seems like to, that seems like that was the missing link in 2019. Everything was the missing link in 2020. But I think uh, they just really haven't built a defensive line in a couple of years now. It used to be a staple for Michigan. Now it's not. And so how does how does this group that that has some talent, has some size, has some ability, how do they make sure that they are? one of Michigan's strengths for this season. Because if I told you right now, Steve, that Michigan was going to have a, a top three defensive line in the big 10 next season, you'd be like, well, they'll probably win at least nine games, right? Maybe more. So it's, um, I think it's really important. You know, linebackers, probably the bigger question mark, but I think just because there are some, some players coming back, especially Hutchinson, no pressure to him, but, he think if he believes he can be a, a first round pick, I, I think it's fair to say he's got to show it. Uh, he's taking a risk coming back another season. He's doing that because he thinks he can, he can show more. And so that's, that's kind of maybe the most interesting position group in spring ball, other than quarterback is, is that defensive line. So next storyline there's going to be some position battles. That's always the, the common storyline in spring ball. There's, there's quite a few we've, we've discussed quarterback. You know, we've mentioned um, a couple of the defensive spots, but Steve pick one or two, if you could, that, that you think are particularly interesting position battles that stand out to you, that you you're looking forward to hearing or anticipating hearing updates from this spring. What about left tackle? So Ryan Hayes versus probably Willie Allen, right? 
Yeah, and I guess the field, right? Because they're gonna. Just, yeah, there's other. Yeah, I mean it's. Yeah. Um, but that that one is, it's gonna be really interesting to me, uh, just because you know Hayes has shown it in flashes, and he's built like a star offensive lineman. I don't know if he's quite become the guy that we thought he was going to be yet. That's fair. Yeah. So, you know, obviously it was something that Michigan felt like they at least needed to, I don't know, a a break glass in case of an emergency type pickup with Willie Allen. Right. But we also, well, I think the vibe we got with when Willie Allen committed was he was the Jalen Mayfield insurance. Sure. they, They assumed they were losing Mayfield. So they were like, well, at least there's one more offensive tackle. Right. And uh, so that that's one that I think will be not only it's, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting, but it's also at a very, very, very important position. Yes. So, um, so that's kind of the first, that's the first one that popped into my mind. And then besides that, I mean, another quick one, and I don't really like how you'd because uh, there's so many of them is just the, their slot type receiver spot. Um Mm-hmm. I man, just I still think AJ Henning is the most talented one. After mm. seeing him play, after him watching him last year uh, with the ball, I mean, he just is. I just I don't know about you. I just thought he was faster than the other guys at that spot. It was just a matter of getting the ball in his hands. Yeah, right. I mean, he's a burner, and so that's a guy I think will be fascinating to see if he can emerge because I think he's a incredibly dangerous. Uh, player offensively for them so not necessarily a spot just more just him just want to see where he's at what right. spot in the depth chart he is that type of deal yeah well and objectively speaking he has the speed and shiftiness of players who go in the top 50 in the nfl draft he does now does he become a top 50 nfl draft pick that is not something i'm predicting but just from a shuttle time 40 time 100 time 200 time he is he is right up there. So is Roman Wilson, uh, someone who did get some playing time kind of on the, on the outside uh, receiver position. That's a good one. That's a good one. I, I, and I definitely agree. The, the offensive tackle, because I, I think the whole offensive line with the new coach and, and so many different players, I do think that there is going to be five position battles. But I think whether it's left tackle or right tackle, I think both tackle spots are going to be not just really hotly contested, but also important. I'm going to go with, well, I'll start with the obvious one, outside linebacker. This is a fascinating position battle because we don't really know what, what Michigan's looking for just yet, You know whether they keep the, the Viper integrity, so to speak, or, or switch to, to Sam's or do kind of edge defensive end type players. I assume all three position groups will be utilized because they have the players at all three, but, but who ends up being the primary snap getters at outside linebacker and, and some of the names, you know, we don't know if Mike Barrett will move inside or stay outside. You know, if they keep the Viper, someone like Anthony Solomon is a name to keep in mind. He's, he's undersized for like a typical outside linebacker. Um, so that's something to watch, but then there's like the David Ajabos, uh, Jalen Harrell's part of me wonders if like a Braden McGregor, I think he was 250 uh, last 255 last time I checked, does he, does he try to stay on the slimmer side and, and be almost like a Chase Winovich type edge player? Um, or is it, or is it someone who kind of fits the mold more junior Colson potential transfer uh, spring is interesting because we don't, you know, the transfers and some of the recruits aren't on campus. But, yeah, that's that's a fascinating position battle for me. I mean, really, the whole linebacker group is because I, I don't think anybody played well enough to guarantee themselves a starting job in 2021. I, perhaps you disagree, Steve, but um, even the returning starters, I don't think – I don't think can sit around and say, oh, I'll, I'll be a starter this year because I started last year. And, and it's another position group where you have pretty decently rated recruits, Kalel Mullings, Nakai Hill Green, you know, Colson. Yep. Can, they, can they take that step forward? Because 
you know, we've, we've mentioned under Don Brown, it was very hard for freshmen to see the field. And we don't know say- if that was the coaches just not trusting. Is it, was it trust? Was it the playbook? Maybe was it both, but you know, the fact that Devin Bush, Khalid Hudson, uh, you know, Lavert Hill, David Long, I mean, all these guys were either first or second team, all big 10 as red shirt freshmen. And it was like, where was that? Not, not, this isn't an indictment on the players. Where were they as true freshmen? Right. And you can, you can go down the list. There were, there were others too. Aiden Hutchinson uh, is another guy. So, so I think real quick, I think that's, you mentioned Colson. I think he'll be a great litmus test. Yeah. For the change in, and you got to wonder with Adam Shibley leaving that that's, that they're prepared to play young guys. Right. I mean, Adam Shibley started for Don Brown, not saying he would have started again this year, but. Well, okay. So I will say, I don't disagree. I think your I think your point is true. The walk-on transfers because we aren't, we aren't, Michigan has not given a clear, concrete answer. The belief is that when walk-ons are in scholarships, it's usually only for one semester at a time. And so Shibley very well could be just looking to go be a scholarship player somewhere. Um, And I think he also mentioned he had grad schools that he wanted to go to, but I agree with you. But Michigan's not letting him leave if, they, they think like he could play a, a meaning. If, yeah, if, if he was could play a meaningful role for them this year, I think they would try to get him to stay. Right. So that was kind of my that was really what my basic point was. But yeah. Um, oh, and I agree with that part. Yeah. With Colson, yeah. you know, like I said, like we've and we again that was something that we've been harping on since while they were playing last season. But it'll be fascinating uh, to see where Colson fits in right away because athletically. I mean, he's ready from a college standpoint, in my opinion. Just a matter of, is this scheme going to be more conducive, or will these coaches be more conducive to allowing these guys to kind of, you know, figure stuff out and and learn on the fly and not feel like they have to be prepared to such a a, a ridiculous level that it takes them over a full season to get on the field. Yeah. No, and and that's they kind of need it. Not necessarily, I feel like a defensive back, which is, I think cornerback is a under-discussed position battle because you do have guys like Andre Selden, Darren Green-Warren, um, Jalen Perry, DJ Turner, in addition to the old guard of, of Jamon Green, Vincent Gray. I mean, that's a lot of players who Michigan liked, and, and we don't know how Linguist is going to view the, the, the entire group. I mean, there might be things he's looking for that Zordich wasn't or Zordich was looking for a certain thing and, and Linguist is like, who cares? Um, so I'm going to be really fascinated by that just because there is a new coach. And yeah, I, I agree. Speaking of freshmen, they have 10, at least I believe they have 10 early enrollees. JJ McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, Giovanni El Hadi, Junior Colson, Raheem Anderson, Christian Dixon, Greg Crippen, Tavier Dunlap, Tristan Bounds, Andrell Anthony. Ten's a lot. Ten is more than I think. I guess it's starting to become a little bit more typical, but that that is a high number. So, Steve, I guess we, we've talked about McCarthy. We don't need to talk about McCarthy more. But of the rest of the group, who can, who can really make a statement this spring in terms of either cracking the two deep or even cracking the starting lineup uh, by the fall? And who can, who can kind of stake their claim for that starting, I guess, on Monday. Well, it kind of stinks because we just talked about Colson. <laughs> Fair. And he's kind of the guy that I would have – I would definitely put in that spot before the other guys. Um, I, I guess you could argue, like, offensive line there is a wild card spot. You know, if there's if – you, if you get a guy on campus and all of a sudden you have something – you know, I wouldn't write off Donovan Edwards though either. As as much as I think we know Haskins kind of established himself as the number one guy. I mean, Edwards, you know, solidified himself as a five star, but his playoff run, he looked like a different player. He looked I mean, like someone who could make very similar plays. I mean, in college, right? That's and he looked like a guy that 
could play in college at that point. I mean, just the acceleration, the, the physicality. I, that was the thing to me that struck struck me is or that stood out was uh, his speed, his straight line speed. He was a lot faster than I remember him looking earlier in his career. So he's he's probably him and Cole. I guess I, the more I think I'd say Colson for sure. And then I think Edwards is right there um, just because I think, you know, Corum is always going to be more of a change of pace. And the guy I think that'll, which again, Edwards can make plays in the passing game too, though, I suppose. So, uh, you know, there is, there is that, but uh, you know, I know Michigan fans probably were like, well, they're going to have five different guys running the ball again in 2021. (laughs) But no, I just, I do think Edwards is a guy that may be able to stake a claim, you know? Well, and it's another position that has a new coach. Right. And so I guess real quick, maybe there's not a ton to say about it. Do we have any sense for, Mike Hart and what what he's looking for. Cause I, I know one thing I always felt like one thing that was really important to Jay Harbaugh was pass protection. You know, you're not going to play if you can't block. Is there anything you've gleaned from what Mike Hart's looking for? Is he looking for more between the tackles type plays? Is he looking for straight line speed? Is he looking for um, pass catch? I mean, every running back coach is looking for all of it, but do you think the coaching shift makes it more or less likely for Corum and Edwards to see the field? So that's where I was like, I'm not sure. Cause like you ask, you know, what would Mike Hart be looking for? And I think, well, I watched Mike Hart play a lot and I know what he was. So is he look for like guys that are like him, you know, like how do you, how do you, as a coach, I wonder how you kind of, cause I assume one big ball security, which will be fascinating with Edwards because I think that was the one big knock on his game. We've talked about that a couple times, or at least mm-hmm. we, we may have on the recruiting pod. Uh, you know, that ball security, the way he holds the ball. I know Michigan, um, even while they were recruiting him, you know, was kind of trying to coach him up on improving his ball security, giving him some drills and stuff like that. So I'm sure that'll be a big point of emphasis for all of them. You know, but I think with, with heart, uh, vision, because I mean – what we've seen many instances, Michigan's had some good, some pretty good play at running back, but you know, it's one of those deals where they've been, I was thinking, I think it was Haskins on one of those wildcat plays against Ohio state uh, went the wrong way. Would have cut yeah. back, would have taken it to the house for an easy touchdown. Right. I mean, so it's like stuff like, I assume that that's going to be a big point of emphasis for heart is like just vision uh, understanding. It's also that'll that's, my guess, but again, I like I said, it's hard not to just think of like how Mike Hart was as a running back and think, well, they just do it like I did, um, you know, type deal. But, but yeah, so I don't know. We will we'll know we'll know shortly, I assume. But ball security, vision. I I don't necessarily. I don't I don't know. There's I don't know how you can put put an emphasis on straight line speed necessarily. I mean, it's just I think it's one of those things you either have it, right, or you don't. <laughs> you know, you got to kind of tailored it to the guy's ability. Well, but I guess emphasize it meaning like in snap counts. Sure. 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 So fair, you know, whoever's fastest plays more because there are teams that like, they don't really care if the running back can like bulldoze somebody. They just want someone fast that they can occasionally take the ball side, you know, to the sidelines and hit the corner. Got to think if he's looking for the next Mike Hart or someone similar to Mike Hart, feel like that does help quorum absolutely i feel like that's i compact it's a very lofty comparison but that was kind of the one that people talked about uh when they talked about quorum's quorum potential impact probably a better receiver out of the backfield i don't know i know mike hart michigan used to run when they used to be able to run screens well um you know when lloyd carr mike hart i mean that day was a big part of their offense but like Corum's a guy I think they could almost, I can say quite say split out like they did with Evans a couple times, but I think he's a guy that could run some like actual, like some wheel route type stuff. Other, they'll you know, throw him the ball down the field a little bit in certain cases, but from a running back standpoint, you know, I do think Corum's still a little bit faster too. I think Mike Hart's value was you couldn't bring him down. He didn't fumble the football and he has, he was excellent in like, um, I don't know what you'd call like phone booth spaces. Yeah. I mean, his, his cutting ability was next level. Um, 
you know, I say he had a lot of, there's some similarities there, but I think there's some differences. I, I do think though, that, I, I also think though that Mike Hartwood is going to love Hassan Haskins though in his running back room too, because of that, that toughness, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that the fall a, forward rate. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and a guy that doesn't want to go down, uh, you have to, you know, it, a lot of times it takes more than one guy to bring him down when he gets a full head of steam going. So, you know, I think he's going to really like him as well, but um yeah, no, no shortage of talent there still, though, yeah. for sure. Hart has shown he's not afraid to play true freshman at running back. He showed that at Indiana. I didn't actually follow his career that closely at Syracuse, Western, and Eastern, but I, I do know, I mean, he is not um, – I do think ball security is important. I believe there was a running back in Indiana that had a couple fumbles and they didn't see the field for a little bit, but uh, – yeah, not afraid to play true freshman is is not someone who needs feels like he needs to give running backs a full season. Looking at this list, I think we've covered the the three, and it makes sense because they're three very highly rated recruits: uh, McCarthy, Edwards, and Colson, all top one hundred prospects. I guess the name that I'm I'm thinking of when I look at the rest of this list, it, just from intrigue, is. I think Raheem Anderson, you know, it's a, it's a new um, offensive line coach. I, I don't know if schematically it's going to change drastically, but he's already, he's 6'3", 298, so he's got some size. Sharon Moore was his primary recruiter, partly because he was an in-state guy. I'm, I'm pretty fascinated. I, because the center position, you mentioned Zach Carpenter, that was a loss. I don't, I don't know if Andrew Vistardis has announced anything. I mean, he was a fifth year senior. I, I know he was getting a master's degree. So my thought would be if he, if he hasn't said anything yet, then maybe he's back for another season, you know, cause otherwise you might be trying to get your name out and maybe well, draft it or anything. There's, there's spring ball too. So there, I think there will be guys that may have not announced their intentions yet that might go through spring ball at Michigan. And then not saying he'll be one of them, but well, that's there's... true, especially if you think about like academics, because he he was a former walk-on. He didn't even wasn't on anybody's radar really until uh, last year. But he was named a captain, so there's a few different angles there. But but regardless, I do think there is an opening for a starter at center. You know, Reese Atterbury, I, I assume would be next in line based on how the um, how how warmups went last year, like who was taking the second and third string reps, uh, but. But Raheem Anderson, I I don't know. I maybe it's just a hunch. I, I could see him staking a claim. And then uh Andrell Anthony, I'm not going in alphabetical order, I promise. Uh, <laughs> Andrell Anthony, just because he does have that size. And I think I think Michigan, uh, you know, Cornelius Johnson had a pretty nice season. Ronnie Bell can play outside receiver, but I could see. I could see them looking for, especially if they aren't totally sure what they have at tight end just yet. I could see them looking for to another bigger receiver, six two, uh, one seventy five was I think his listed rate rate or weight as a recruit. But um, that's another player as well. I mean, it, it there's a lot of spots, open opportunity, uh, a lot of different players who could ascend and emerge. So gonna be fascinating. Very interesting spring football. I understand that some fans might be like, who cares? Wait till the fall. Uh, That's fine. If that's for you, but we are going to discuss things along the way, whether we get to talk to players, um, talk to coaches, hopefully there's some spring availability, but it starts on Monday. So uh, we're not anywhere close to the season. I was going to say it's, it's coming, but like we are progressing. We got through the, the most off-season, off-season stretch, you know, the January, February, and now spring ball, at least in some capacities, beginning. We, I don't, I haven't heard anything about a spring game. I know some other major schools are just not having them this year. I could see that. I could honestly see that being the case. I don't know what Michigan's plans are. Uh, but regardless, we'll cover everything we can cover as it comes to Michigan football here at the, the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.